You're listening to the Oz Movies Podcast, only on the Oz Network. Hello, welcome to the Oz Network for our final episode in our very long summer of Spider-Man here. It's Spider-Man Homecoming. We are going back to school now to this summer vacation. And uh, it's taken a long time to get here, but it's been exciting. Uh, my name is Colin, and I am Canadian. <laughs> <laughs> And my name is Ben, and I am Australian, <laughs> mate. And neither of us are in high school. Uh, Speak for yourself. But thankfully, the actors in this movie finally are. So we're here to talk about Spider-Man Homecoming. Uh, I don't know if there was as much hype about this going in as there were other Spider-Man movies, but it's out now. It's been out for a few days, and I mean, the box office was huge over the weekend. It's... Uh, Probably, what, the, the third highest grossing of the Spider-Man opening weekends, at least in North America. Uh, definitely an improvement over the Amazing Spider-Mans. You know, uh, take it for what it's worth. I think there's some other reasons for that. But uh, overall, uh, the, the movie's here, and I don't know, I thought it was a fun movie. And we're going to kind of go through a spoiler-free reviewed slash discussion here on Homecoming. Uh, ben, uh, you want to start us off just with some general opinions on spider-man homecoming what you thought of it you just got back from it a couple hours ago i guess yeah pretty much um i look i enjoyed this movie i did and i mean it's kind of it's i mean you and i sort of had a bit of a message after i saw it and you were kind of like, oh no you're gonna trash this movie because it's sort of like it's the way i sort of said to you about it but it's not that it's just it's kind of one of those movies that i feel you need to kind of let sit with you for a little bit to to really try and and work out how you feel about it um I mean, again, I enjoyed it. There's nothing about this movie. Well, I mean, there are bits, I guess, that we'll talk about that weren't, you know, super fantastic. But it was still a very enjoyable movie. I mean, I would easily rank this, and again, probably jumping ahead of ourselves here, but I'll say it now. I mean, I'd easily rank this ahead of both The Amazing Spider-Mans. Uh, I'd rank it ahead of Spider-Man 3. There you go. Um, but Thank I, you. <laughs> I don't know if I would rank this better than Spider-Man 1 or 2. Maybe we'll have to really analyse that at the end. And I mean, so much to talk about, of course. Um and yeah, I mean, I'm I'm interested to kind of have this back and forth discussion with you because I kind of feel this is similar to back in our Survivor Oz days when Noah and I randomly decided to do a Force Awakens episode. Uh, you know, we had a lot to talk about. I guess we kind of ended that episode a lot of people thinking we hated the movie with all the stuff we were talking about it, but <laughs> we enjoyed it. It was just it's one of those ones I feel you want to talk a lot about because there's so much going on with it that maybe your opinions get swayed with it by the time you sit down on an hour podcast with a Canadian. I, I don't know. We'll find out. Yeah. It's only with Canadians that happens. Yeah, exactly. So this Just wouldn't Canadians. happen if it was an American right now. Exactly. <laughs> Fuck them. Fuck America. Hello to all our Americans listening. We miss you. Uh, no, I think that you're right about that. I don't want people to think that we don't enjoy this movie because I really enjoyed it. Um, I had a different reaction for Ben is that it didn't really need to sit with me at all. I mean, I thought it was a blast and there really wasn't anything I disliked. It's only the more that you think about it, you're like, oh, I could have done that a little bit differently, but it's still fun. And I, I feel like more than anything, there's just the, the there's two opinions out there after this past weekend. They're the opinions of the Marvel diehards, which every time a Marvel movie comes out, they're like, this movie is perfect. This movie is a gift of God. You know, it is the greatest thing ever made. And they're like, well, of course, it's the greatest Spider-Man movie ever. And then everybody else who's kind of, you know, the same opinion you have that I have, which is it's not as good as the first two movies. Uh, but it's definitely right up there. It's you know, I, I was a big fan of The Amazing Spider-Man. I probably prefer this over The Amazing Spider-Man. Uh, I'm not saying that there aren't things that I like better about The Amazing Spider-Man, but there's also things I like better about this. I feel like we're just at 
six Spider-Man movies and three versions of the Spider-Man character. There's only so much you can do. So this has to take a different direction. So you kind of have to judge it on its own merits. But it was still fun. And I, other people I know who saw this over the weekend said the same thing. It's like, you know what, if I was a kid, this probably would have been my favorite. A lot of people are like, it's more of a kid's movie than it is, uh, you know, the, the Amazing Spider-Man was definitely more for adults. Uh, the original Spider-Mans were more probably for older teenagers or maybe early 20s. This is more kids leaning to young teenagers, and it's good for what it is. Yeah, and... I mean, one thing that I noticed you said to me after, and I just kind of said to you, like, oh, how was it? And you kind of said, oh, it was a lot more, it was a lot more comedy in it than I was um, giving it, thought it would be. And I guess we'll talk about that. And it's, I mean, I this is my first ever Marvel movie I've seen at the cinemas. Um, so, you know, it's kind of, it's interesting, I guess, from my perspective, as I've said a lot of these episodes before, that, I mean, I've, I've only really in the MCU seen Iron Man, The Incredible Hulk, um, and if you count Deadpool, which I guess you don't really. So, um, you know, that's kind of my viewpoint. So I'm a little bit blinded compared wait, to... Wait, wait, wait. 16 minutes of Civil War doesn't count? Oh, well, like, <laughs> 16 minutes of Civil War. Okay, then. Um, like a tenth of the movie. But, um, yeah, so, I mean, I guess kind of it's it's interesting from my perspective that I can't be like one of these Marvel fanboys and say kind of what you said with it. And, I mean, there, there were things in this movie that obviously went straight over my head, which obviously, you mm-hmm. know, people would get it. And, again, I'm going to watch the uh, Marvel movies. But, yeah, it's um, definitely agree with what you said. I mean, it was, in, it was an enjoyable film. Again, very enjoyable. And I will say, like, it was interesting, actually, because I don't know about you, sometimes you go to a movie and you're kind of watching it, then maybe about... At a certain point, you kind of will glance at your watch or something like, oh, how long have I been here mm-hmm. for? Because you can't see the runtime. You don't have, like, a counter on it. I think this one, I did it once, and I realised I'd been in the movies for, like, an hour and a half. Like, it had just gone by so quickly. Yeah. So, I mean, that's a good thing, I feel. Like, when you're in a movie, you're enjoying it. The fact that, oh, shit, I've been here for that long already. Wow, okay, this is this is going well. Well, I mean, it should be said, this is a long movie. I mean, it it's not like as it. long as The Amazing... Yeah, it's not as long as The Amazing Spider-Man 2. And I, I remember... Uh, I mentioned it just two weeks ago, I guess, when we covered it with Amazing Spider-Man 2, that, you know, when my wife and I saw that opening week, she was like, yeah, it was just a little bit long. I liked it, but it was a bit too long. And I'm like, it didn't feel long to me. Uh, But I could still understand at the time, like, well, it was a longer movie. This felt like a much shorter movie than it is. It's like two hours and 15 minutes, two hours and 20 minutes. It breezes by. And when you take into consideration that the movie doesn't have that much story to it, and it is more of a com. Maybe that's why it did work because I would classify this more along the lines of Guardians of the Galaxy, where this is a Marvel comedy that has some action and a little bit of drama in it. And maybe it's because it is a comedy that just breezes by so quickly. Because you could also say, well, there's a lot of stuff that happens in the movie, but most of the scenes in this movie play out, you know, quite long. I mean, just like Amazing Spider-Man Two, the action scenes, there's only a few of them, and they go on forever. And some of the dialogue scenes go on forever, but it's in a good way. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's interesting you say how it doesn't really have, you know, a whole lot of a story. I mean, it really doesn't, does it? Like, I mean, it's... Mm-hmm. And I mean, the I trailers guess, tell you all. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's and it's kind of interesting. Like, I found myself through a lot of this film just, you know, particularly when it came to, to Peter Parker and just his, his ver- this version of Spider-Man, how he is. Um, and again, obviously, given this is spoiler-free, we can't really go too much into it. And I'm sure when we eventually do the whole proper recap, we can. But it's just... That really stood out for me, I guess, just the whole, the way Peter Parker's portrayed in this and that it's more about, I guess, his life, isn't it? More so than, and then, you know, what we saw with Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield and the way it's done, obviously, with no um, origin story, 
um, you know, it's just kind of you're expected to know who he is, you're expected to know he's Spider-Man, and kind of, mm. again, how it's this different take on him, sort of, whereas in, you know, Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield, they're sort of thrust straight into big villains and big things, like his little, you know, Tom Holland just kind of stopping bike thieves and, you know, doing this and kind of yeah. going out of his way. And it was just an interesting take on it, and it's kind of, that's one of the things I think that I'm trying to, I guess, work out if I liked or I didn't like, I don't know. Well, it's interesting because a lot of people will try to say the Spider-Man character is supposed to be a teenager that screws everything up. Only in, like, the very early comics. I mean, if you go through even, like, Stan Lee's original run on Spider-Man, I mean, he was graduated from high school and in college, and uh, he grew up very quickly. It's, like, really just the first issue where you have him screwing up, and there are little bits and pieces from there on. But I think the most important thing that... uh, the comics did which is different than the movie is that spider-man matures quickly even if he still screws up and he still is a kid he matures and we don't really get that in this movie till we get closer to the end i mean that's kind of the whole point of this movie is that he's an immature kid yeah in a good way he has he has good intentions but this is like for me what the first hour of sam raimi's spider-man one was like and for the first hour of mark webb's amazing spider-man where he was a teenager and you were just getting you know this this uh little glimpse as to what a teenager would do do if they really had these powers and sometimes they would be a bit of a jerk and sometimes they you know would just be messing around and having fun with it but that's the majority of this movie and i feel like it's going to continue even from here but it makes sense because we're not having like a 17 year old spider-man like even we had in the Tobey Maguire being introduced, this is 15 years old, and it was only in talking to my nephew, you know, after the movie, and realizing I have a 13-year-old nephew, and I'm thinking, if I was 15, I would have been more mature than this kid. I'm like, no, I wasn't. (laughs) My 13-year-old nephew's not far away from this, and I could totally see him as, like, the way Tom Holland would be if he had these powers. Well, well, I was was 15 when the first Tobey Maguire movie came out, so (laughs) there you go. And you were just as dumb. Yeah, well, I still am. (laughs) 15 years ago, it's double the age. I haven't changed. Yeah, you need to take on some terrorists in order to grow up. (laughs) Plenty of them here in Hobart. I'll just uh, step out the door and I'll get hit with an ISIS flag. (laughs) Uh, I guess we can kind of just start off by talking about Tom Holland, because that's really this entire movie. I I kind of went into, you know, this movie expecting, okay, I'm going to pick out what are the talking points for this episode and, like, which characters we're going to talk about. We're going to talk a little bit about Vulture, we're going to talk a little bit about the sidekick Ned, but this is like 100% Tom Holland's movie. Yeah. And it is 100% Peter Parker's movie to the point where everybody else almost seems like they don't matter. And and I, I like that about it. I wanted that. I talked about how I was worried that this was just going to be Iron Man setting up the Avengers, and it's not. I mean, uh, Tony Stark is in this movie about as much as he's in the trailer and i'm not talking the scenes i'm talking like full screen time (laughs) if he's in a two and a half minute trailer for about 45 seconds it almost is like he's in 45 seconds of this movie plus maybe an extra minute i mean everything you see is what you get this is 100 percent a tom holland movie and i mean i think he completely carries it and you kind of have to judge tom holland with how we're judging spider-man he plays this immature kid perfectly he's very charming he's very uh, funny, which is not something we ever got. We got a few good one-liners from Tobey Maguire. We got more good trash talk with Andrew Garfield. But, like, this is a really funny, like, really good comic timing for a kid who was probably 19 when he filmed this movie. I thought he was fantastic. I'm not going to go as far as to say he's the greatest Spider-Man because, just like I said with this movie, you have three different versions of this character that have been told. I think the greatest Spider-Man is a combination of all three. But, I mean, for what he was doing, I thought he was fantastic and way better than I expected. And I had high expectations going in because, I, as I said, I was a fan of Tom Holland. 
Yeah, I, I agree pretty much with everything you said. And it's actually interesting. I saw one thing, uh, I think it was maybe in one of the interviews or something uh, in the lead up to this, where they basically pointed out that Tobey Maguire is actually the only American to play Spider-Man. <laughs> because obviously <Yeah. laughs> Tom Holland is British. And as I discovered recently, so is Andrew Garfield. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I just I thought I'd randomly point that out. But yeah, I, I, I think it was a great... Um, it definitely was entirely his film. And, yeah, you point out that a lot of the characters really don't matter. I mean, it, it really did feel a lot that way. Um, and, I mean, yeah. obviously we'll talk about Michael Keaton and sort of the other people throughout as well. But, I mean, this was just everything Tom Holland. And it was it was enjoyable. I mean, he, he really did come across as a kid. And, I mean, yeah, he's only, as you said, what, like 19 when he filmed this, he's playing. But you believe him as a 15-year-old, you know. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, I liked kind of going back to the sort of the real geeky loser roots that we kind of had with the Tobey Maguire ones, you know, um, mm-hmm. that we sort of lost in the Andrew Garfield ones. I mean, having said that, there were still issues with that, though, I felt, because, I mean, I guess, sure, he's a bit of a loser kid, but they're kind of at a very geeky school, are they not? Aren't they at, like, a science yeah. school or something like that? So it's not like they're exactly yeah. in, a, in a populist school. I mean, we'll talk about that when it comes to, like, Flash and all that after, but... Um, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed Tom Holland. I mean, I I hadn't seen him in anything besides uh, Civil War before this. Uh, I mean, that kid, like, if, again, if you didn't know that he was British, you wouldn't know. He he pulls off that yeah. accent fantastically, um, and he just he's got he's got some charm about him, like the way he does it. You know, I mean, he just he comes across so well in both versions of as peter parker and a spider-man so yeah i really enjoyed it i really thought he was fantastic and i mean i think i sort of teased in one of our preview episodes could he be the best version of spider-man and i guess i probably would take that back in a way and say i agree with how you say like each is a different take on the character um and maybe Mm -hmm. it's also probably too early i mean can you really judge someone off one film compared to you know garfield had two and mcguire had three i mean that's like, you know, people, I guess, were trying to say that Daniel Craig was the best Bond after Casino Royale, you know? I mean, like, give him a couple of films, then you can have that debate. So, um, yeah. And we've had that debate over on <laughs> 007. <laughs> Available via iTunes, Spotify. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we always like to tag our shows. Uh, there's something you said about uh, Tom Holland there um, to, uh, I wanted to touch on, which is how he is a little bit more of a geek in this, and... We've had, again, three different interpretations of this. You know, we had the traditional science nerd, I guess, that was Tobey Maguire, where that was really his only interest. And he is the type of kid you're going to pick on at school. And then we had Andrew Garfield, who's more just a loner and kind of an awkward kid, uh, maybe a bit of like a, a gadget techie guy, but not necessarily as much of a science nerd. And Tom Holland is more of just like, he's like a fun geek. Like, the fact is, and we're not giving too many spoilers away, People are going to be writing us one day about, you spoiled the Lego Death Star for us. <laughs> like, him and his friend. <laughs> Danny Wong Guatemala. Together, <laughs> but him and his friend basically want to put together a Lego Death Star. And that's like a big plot point of this movie that really doesn't have a lot of plot. And that's kind of the geek that he is in here. You know, he still has like the science stuff to him. But they're, they're showing him more as being this guy who's, I don't know, he's, he's a little bit uh, overly ambitious. He's he's kind of a bit of a geek just because he you know tries to hug Tony Stark like we saw in the trailer, <laughs> and he likes putting together Lego Death Stars and everything. You know he'll play around with his costume and he's like, hey, this is cool. I'm a superhero. That's the kind of geek he is. And they don't play up as much on the whole science thing because, like you said, this whole school he goes to is full of science nerds. <laughs> so let's kind of give the first criticism here. Um, I'll let you get into Flash, Ugh. but 
when the object of Peter's affection, when the hot girl at the school is the leader of the, um, what do they call it? The academic... The academic uh, decathlon. The academic decathlon team. And the hot girl of the school is the captain of the academic decathletes. What is her name? I can't remember her name. Uh, what was the character's name? Liz. Okay, there we go. See, I mean, that's, we'll get yeah, to Liz. her in a minute. Maybe that's... Characters says... don't matter. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like, this is the hot girl of the school, and she's a bigger geek than Peter Parker is, from what we understand. And, you know, I'll let you get into Flash, but you don't get the impression that he's going to stand out in any way and be an outcast. And maybe that's one of the few problems I had with the way they portrayed him in this movie is that he's not going to have trouble fitting in. And I'm not going to say it's a problem in this movie. It's just something that I maybe missed that we had, even with Andrew Garfield, who was maybe a little bit too cool to be Peter Parker. You still got, well, he's an outcast, even if it's just because he's a loner and awkward. Yeah, I I completely agree. I've just, uh, apparently her name is Liz Allen. And apparently she appears in a lot of the comic books. I've just, she's got a Wikipedia page. Uh, there you yeah. go. <laughs> I saw that to me too. <laughs> Didn't... And I've read these comics, and I'm like, really? She was in it? <laughs> but, that, but that's that's the thing, like, I guess, like, uh, you label those those that perfectly in terms of just criticism with that. Uh, and I'll get to Flash and Liz in a sec. But, um, yeah, it's, I mean, he's, to me, again, having never read the comic books, but again, he comes, he's got to be that geek, the one that sort of is at the bottom of the totem pole. And I think yeah. Tobey Maguire had that down pat perfectly. Still, yeah. and he still holds that because yeah, Garfield. I've gone over that. I'm not going over him again. But I mean, he's geeky. Tom Holland is definitely geeky. But I mean, can you really be geeky at a science school? Because we even see yeah, exactly. like in those moments where he's getting you know teased or sort of you know being called a loser, he's still five minutes later is hanging with those people again. Um, mm-hmm. it's, it's kind of to me, it's almost just like that. You know, those friends you have in a friendship group who maybe you just kind of have a bit of a banter with and you tease each other a bit, but deep down you're, you're friends with them, you know what I mean? Like, you don't hate each other, whereas you got that Flash hated Tobey Maguire, you know what I mean? And mm-hmm. at least sort of at the beginning of the Garfield ones hated, you know, and then they obviously changed. This one, Flash, my God, if they didn't say that was Flash, I would have not in a million years guessed that was Flash. <laughs> it was terrible. He was terrible. I hated Flash in this film. Um, yeah, I mean, they, they called him Flash just to include the Flash Thompson character. Like, there is no similarity. He is the scrawniest kid in this school. Uh, and I understand he is, you know, the worst member of the academic decathlon yeah. team. But he's still on the academic decathlon And he still helps them team. win. I mean, spoiler alert, yeah. sort of. Like, I mean, I'm sorry if that's a big spoiler <laughs> that you didn't want to know that they win the academic decathlon. I mean... No, we got that. We got the Lego Death Star. This movie's been spoiled for the masses. <laughs> I won't, you know, go into the details of how that happens, but, like, it's still exactly like he's the worst, but he's still smart enough to win. Um, to me, again, coming from somebody who's only seen the films not read it, but, I mean, I'm assuming it's a trope anyway that Flash is... The jock. He's the bully. He's the epitome of the bully that's picking on Peter Parker. And in no way... I mean, he calls him Penis Parker. That's the extent (laughs) of it. I thought that was... That's funny. I I I mean, it's funny. Don't get me wrong. It's it's the only moment where I could have pictured... I can't remember the guy's name, but the guy who played Flash... I mean, the the guy who played him in the first one, obviously, he's a big deal now. But even the guy who played him in the second one, we thought, oh, this guy's great. Like, he just... he, He lives and breathes Flash Thompson. I could have pictured either of those other flashes doing the penis Parker. Yeah. But this guy, like, people would be looking at him and saying, like, dude, you're like the size of a tiny penis, so don't go making fun of Parker. I mean, you you kind of think that Peter Parker, as Peter Parker, could kick this guy's ass. Not just as Spider-Man. That's the point. And that's kind (laughs) of... 
uh, Tony Revolori is his name. I mean, there's nothing against the actor. I mean, again, there's no yeah. disrespect to the actor. It's just how it was portrayed. And, I mean, I guess I've read criticism in terms of, I guess, when it comes to, you know, diversifying the film and they cast them sort of different to the comic books. And that's something I don't really want to get into. I mean, that, to me, wasn't a problem. It was just, you know, it was... It was just the way he's played across. Uh, you know, Flash, to me, shouldn't be a geek as well. Um, so, I mean, I guess that was an issue I had that... that bring it back to a normal high school, not just a science one. Um, and then Liz, like, I mean... Was it just me? Did they not have any chemistry? <laughs> like, they had zero. Yeah, again, people out there who are saying this is the greatest Spider-Man movie ever, go back and watch even Kirsten Dunst. Yeah. Oh, for sure. <laughs> and watch how much chemistry she had with Tobey Maguire. Like, those movies became famous because of their chemistry. And nobody's going to argue the chemistry that Emma Stone and Andrew Garfield had. Like, it was off the chart. Exactly. There is zero chemistry between Tom Holland and whoever the actress is that plays Liz. Or even Laura the one that Harrier. plays Michelle in this. Yeah, we, we have basically two... They're not. I wouldn't even call them love interests. But like two girls in this movie. And he has zero chemistry with either of them. And that's, I guess, one thing that I will have a criticism then and it weighed it down was... I get, I get you've got to have kind of like your, you know, Peter Parker's in love with someone storyline. I mean, mm-hmm. it, you know, it's a thing, sure. But, I mean, I, I can't really go into detail without spoiling how it kind of happens, but it just, that, it was a wasted storyline in, for the most part, there's a part of the storyline that worked. Again, we can't really discuss it without spoiling it, but, I mean, there's a scene where they're both in a car together and just the way they're interacting on that seat that just sums up their chemistry to me. Like, yeah, I mean, exactly. That was, that was it. I mean, and it's just, it was that I don't felt worked. And like, you're absolutely right. Like Andrew Garfield, Emma Stone, I mean, off the charts chemistry. I mean, obviously in real life, but I mean, you know, I can rip shit into MJ as much as I want to in the Sam Raimi films, but you can't deny their chemistry with Tobey Maguire and Kirsten Dunst. And I mean, you even, I think said in one of our episodes that, you know, they were the the movie couple of the 2000s, you know. Yeah. So, um, and I mean, still, to this day, after six films, the most iconic scene out of all the Spider-Man films, um, you know, besides the, uh, what, the, the, the breakup over Chow Min or whatever it was in uh, The Amazing Spider-Man. I can't remember what that joke was. Um, <laughs> the famous, the famous uh, uh, what, do you call, what was the food? Um, uh, yeah. Food. <laughs> we we listen to our episodes. We remember what we talk about. Um, but there was the upside down kiss, obviously, in the first Spider Man. Which I don't want to spoil anything here, but watch the movie closely enough. There is kind of a fun throwback yeah. to the upside down kiss in this there movie. Is. There's yeah. little moments like that. Uh, I, I just want to quickly talk about good chemistry in this movie. Uh, I don't know what your opinion on it was, but Peter and his. Uh, <laughs> Friend, <laughs> Ned. Are we talking about Love Ned? I, Ned, yeah. <laughs> There's the real sexual chemistry. Yeah. In this movie. <laughs> These two guys are so good together. I yeah. almost want them to become the first gay couple of Marvel. And I'm not honestly saying like I, I want you know Peter Parker uh, to end up with Ned. But I'm just saying like why not Ned? I I thought he was well. I just I thought Ned was going to be really annoying from the trailers. And he totally wasn't. I mean, I, I thought he was fantastic in this, and yeah. he kind of is the second half of this, you know, comic relief. It's almost at times like a buddy cop movie from the nineties, and <laughs> it, they play it almost as a parody. There's moments where you know Ned's talking about wanting to be like the the techie sidekick that we see in all these movies and everything. It's just I, I thought Ned was great in this. I mean, the actor has done basically nothing, but 
I thought this was going to be the worst thing about the movie, and he ended up being one of the best things. Yeah, I completely agree. I loved him. He was so good. And the way they used him, I guess, in the storyline too towards the end, uh, I wasn't expecting that, but it, it worked. Um, and can I just point out one Again, th- like, I just want to cut in really quickly. This is, again, the way that a 15-year-old would respond if he found out that his best friend had superpowers. Yeah. Let me tell everybody. Let me tell everybody. Like, he would be really excitable, too. And the, all, the, all the, like, the questions he's asking him, like, uh, you know, yeah. I mean, not really spoiler alert, but, like, can you lay eggs? Uh, yeah, exactly. Like, all the things that people wonder, wouldn't a Spider-Man really lay eggs? Yeah. I mean, that, that, that's, you're right. Like, that is exactly what 15-year-olds would be like, you know. Yeah. Um, but one thing, actually, that I, I, I read a lot about it going into it, and then kind of seeing it, I, I can kind of see it was um, how they were trying to kind of really use like a John Hughes influence kind of with like the whole high school mm-hmm. kind of element to it. And I think that worked. Um, I don't know if you saw that. Like I, but one of my favorite bits was there was a literal nod to Ferris Bueller's Day Off. And that yeah, is exactly. one of my <laughs> most favorite films of all time. I fucking love Savior, that film. Yeah. I can't wait till we cover I that had, film. Yeah, <laughs> I had... All of my, I burst out laughing, and all my nephews yeah. turned to me. And and at the end, I talked about Ferris Bueller. I think they watched the credits, and then they saw, you know, uh, credit to Ferris Bueller. Like, what's Ferris Bueller's day off? I'm like, you guys can, they were sleeping over them. Like, you guys can get out of my house. <laughs> I told you they're little shits, and we're going to hear from them in this episode. But, um, I mean, you know those little pop, like, little uh, statue characters that, like, you collect them all? They have, like, little, I don't yeah. know. Yeah. So th- I've only got two of them. I've got a Michael Jackson one, and I've got a Ferris Bueller one. So, oh, <laughs> amazing. that's why I love, uh, yeah, anyway, Ferris Bueller coming soon to the Oz Network, whether you like it or not. But, um, yeah, I love, I like that. And I, I guess it kind of, it did, it did sort of work. And kind of when I was going into it thinking like, how can they correlate like a superhero film to John Hughes? Uh, are they all going to like meet for breakfast in the morning or something like that? Or, you know, mm-hmm. like steal a Ferrari and drive to Chicago? I don't know. Um, but it, it was like subtle, but it worked. And I think kind of going back to you saying about how you know tom holland is the star of this movie but and like the youngness and sort of the naivety of him and how he kind of grows into the character of spider-man more so than peter parker i mean just a lot of those high school scenes like we can rip shit into the fact that it's a science school that flash sucks that liz sucks but i think kind of a lot of the scenes still are fun and they work well and you really do feel like you're you're watching this movie with kids in high school rather than you know 20 yeah, somethings exactly. playing kids in high school well, it's funny because I think every generation has like a group of movies that at the time it comes out, everybody's like, that movie's terrible because it's adults reviewing it. And this is my criticism always is with like the Star Wars prequels is that you had a bunch of adults who maybe had outgrown some of the more childish stuff about Star Wars. And so they're like, oh, well, these movies are terrible. And here we are defending the Star Wars prequels again. I'm going to do it every episode if I can. But we're going to be that podcast, the- Colin. We're going to be <laughs> that one podcast. And in 10 years' time, we're going to be the ones that made sure that they're cult favorites. Yeah, exactly. Which I hope to do. Uh, but it, it is funny that it, it, people always ignore the fact that maybe it's not made for adults. And I can remember growing up, you know, even in the 90s, there was a movie that came out called Can't Hardly Wait. Do you remember that? Yeah, I remember that movie. Yep, yep. It was like a teen comedy, I guess, you know, maybe along the lines of not the Breakfast was Club, but like those Prince types Jr.? of teen Am I thinking of the right one? No, that was She's All That. Oh, well, I mean, they uh, all kind of bleed. Oh, but one... I know what you're talking about. Yeah. I mean, you, they're all kind of similar. I guess all John yeah, Hughes exactly. movies in the 80s were all very similar. All those late 90s. And yeah. 
I can remember Can't Hardly Wait coming out and just getting the worst reviews ever. And for years afterwards, you'd even check IMDb, and it had just a terrible rating. And you look at it now, and it's like it's gone through the roof. And people all of a sudden, oh, yeah, Can't Hardly Wait's a classic. Because those people who were just teenagers at the time, who people weren't hearing from them, you know, they're the ones that 20 years later are going to be like, this is a great movie. And that's kind of like what you were saying there. With I can imagine watching this movie that there are going to be 15-year-olds who 20 years from now are going to be saying this is the definitive Spider-Man movie, even if we're saying no one and two are better. You know, just quickly on that, we got, we were going off topic, we always do this, but you know the one movie that always makes me wonder how it's become such like a real... is, And I, I like this film. I don't, you're probably going to make fun of me for liking this film. I don't know, maybe you like this film. Uh, mean Girls. I remember when Mean Girls came out, that yeah. necessarily wasn't well-received, but now it's like the biggest cult film of the like early 2000s. I mean, it's a good film. I enjoy Mean yeah. Girls, but anyway... <laughs> No, I'll, I'll say as, as a very straight man, <laughs> very straight, just going to reinforce that, very straight man. <laughs> um, no, I saw Mean Girls for the first time, my wife showed it to me years ago, and I was surprised, I'm like, it's actually a very smart movie. Tina Fey. But maybe if, it's, it's a Tina yeah, Fey and maybe if you weren't like from that generation or young enough at the time that it came out or the, the generation it was representing, you wouldn't have gotten it. Um, but like, like you said, that's like a huge cult thing. I mean, my wife, every woman she talks to will just talk about Mean Girls. Like, they could talk about Mean Girls all day the way that we talk about James Bond or Spider-Man. <laughs> mean Girls Oz, coming soon. Hosted by Jamie Hilding. <laughs> yeah, it won't be us. This week, um, we talk about the next five minutes of the film that we haven't covered in the last 17 episodes. <laughs> but it, it's funny that you compared it to, like, John Hughes movies or even, like I said, Can't Hardly Wait would be one. Uh, because... All the characters that we're talking about here, they, they fit into those stereotypes that you mm-hmm. have. You have the geeky lead, you have the even geekier sidekick that, you know, shows up at the party and embarrasses himself and just like, come get me, Peter, I want to go home. <laughs> the hat and didn't then, work. Yeah, the hat didn't work. Great. One of the best lines, you have to watch it if you haven't seen the movie, the hat didn't Spoiler, work. oh, third spoiler, the hat spoiler. Oh, oh. No. That's what happened to James um, Bond's hat. We've solved it from uh, Thunderball, wasn't it? <laughs> Uh, but then you have like the, the the hot smart girl that everybody wants, and then you have the quirky uh, kind of emo girl that just has the the snarky one liners. Like every teenage character in this movie fits every stereotype you have from those movies, and like it's very clear that's what they were going for with this kind of combining that with a superhero movie. And you even have. I'm not going to use the word because it's very bad, but you even have the stereotypical girl who perhaps wants to be with lots of boys uh when they're playing the f marry kill game yeah yeah exactly <laughs> on f thor uh, like, of course you come would come on ben spoiler free <laughs> sorry oh no fourth one fourth one. i actually really like that scene though that was funny like because I mean, yeah that's yeah. what teenagers do at school and you could exactly. imagine you could imagine like in a world where the avengers exist of course teenage girls are going to be like oh there's Thor's gonna so be girls hot. out there going Captain America, Tony Stark, yeah. Thor. Well, didn't they Hulk. use the Hulk in there? Like, imagine if they said, oh, F the Hulk, for sure. The well, Hulk. Well, <laughs> I'm sure that there's some really raunchy chicks out there. <laughs> if there are, email us in to the Oz Network at hotmail.com. I'm single. Uh, <laughs> let's, let's wrap up the character talk here with, um, uh, before we move into the villains, which I guess will be a little bit of its own thing. Uh, two characters that we were very worried about going into this Iron Man and Aunt May. I'll kind of group them in together. I, I said all I have to say on Iron Man beforehand. Uh, Iron Man was the one that I thought was just going to overrun this movie, and he's barely in it. Like, yeah. uh, no joke. There is one scene he has 
that is not in the trailers already. And that scene, half of it is in, um, without spoiling it, half of that scene is already in there without getting to details on how that's possible. Um, he has no extra presence in the, but the, the, the presence made sense. It didn't feel like they're stretching this too far to make it too connected to the other Marvel movies. It still was its own thing, almost to the point where at the end you feel like they distance themselves even more from the rest of the Marvel movies and make this more of its own Spider-Man. Uh, Aunt May, <laughs> they really did age her up. Um, Indeed. <laughs> Still looks hot, like yeah, they, yeah, exactly. But but I mean, unlike Tony Stark, you know, Aunt Hottie or whatever he called her, <laughs> she looks maybe like your mid fifties aunt now. Uh, a, a, a not too bad mid fifties aunt, but she's got the pants pulled up too high. She's got the the glasses. She's your typical New York slightly uh, milfy aunt. I don't know. <laughs> your typical New York milfy aunt. <laughs> uh, not bad in the movie, but I, I don't know. I I feel like Aunt May should in some way be the voice of reason for Peter. Even if they've done it before, she wasn't that in this movie. She was more comic relief. She was kind of the embarrassing aunt that you don't want around. You know, that you lock your room so that you can get away from her. And you sneak out of your, or sneak in your window so she doesn't see you coming in the door. Like, I felt like Aunt May wasn't necessarily smart enough or cool enough in this movie i didn't want her to be a cool aunt but she should at least be somebody that peter can have a discussion with yeah i agree and like i i liked uh marissa Tamai, and I, I i she probably had my favorite scene in the entire movie which i can't even say what it is because it's a big spoiler uh it's literally yeah. the last <laughs> scene in the movie <laughs> just i uh, i laugh so much at that bit but um yeah it's it's she was she was non-existent really wasn't she like she just she was there, and it was kind of... Um, I agree with you. Like, she should be that voice of reason for Peter. I mean, say what you will about your bestie, Rosemary Harris. I mean, she still <laughs> was there to kind of deliver stuff. to, And even Sally Field, you know, when she wasn't going on pointless plot lines of becoming a nurse. Like, I mean, she was still <laughs> there. And, you know, and it's... I The one thing that I will say I, I wasn't a huge fan of was, I guess, Peter Parker's reliance on Tony Stark. And kind of how mm. that was, like, I like... I mean, there's a reason for it in the story, yeah. but I get what you mean. I mean, yeah, for sure. Absolutely. This is a different incarnation of, of the character. So, of course, yeah, you're right. There's a definite need for that. But I guess probably my big thing that I, I did miss was I like it, you know, in the Sam Raimi films and, the, you know, the Andrew Garfield ones, the fact that Peter Parker's a very independent person and Spider-Man's an independent mm. person doesn't need to rely yeah. on somebody to be who he wants to be he he self teaches himself and he goes out and he does it and there is an element to this film about self-responsibility and becoming a hero i mean there's definitely that plays a huge part into the second half of this film but i still didn't particularly wasn't a fan of the over reliance on tony stark and the avengers mm-hmm. and stuff like that um well i was just gonna say I guess that brought up something that I hadn't even thought of, which is one of the things that was missing for me in this movie was like Peter's purpose. And again, yeah. the whole point of this movie is that his purpose is, is that he wants to be this big hero. He wants to be a member of the Avengers. And maybe that is what a 15 year old kid would be like, but we're not retelling, you know, the death of uncle Ben again. And with great power comes great responsibility. I don't want them to necessarily retell that, but I think Peter's purpose should still be the same. I don't even really get the impression in this at least until you get close to the end of the movie, that he really even has a reason for being Spider-Man. Like, why would he do this in the first place? It kind of is just, oh, I want to be a superhero like I see the Avengers doing. And maybe that does tie it more to the Avengers than I thought it did. And and 
it relied a little bit more on the other other Marvel movies, whereas this could have just been like when Ant Man has more of a purpose <laughs> for why he wants to be Ant Man, and Peter is, I want to be like all all my he- heroes from the Avengers: Age of Ultron. You know, yeah, uh, yeah, I can kind of see what you're saying. There. And I mean, I guess like I mean, look on the flip side of that, I guess the the one thing you would say going back to our points about this is what teenagers would be like, and in a world where the Avengers exist, of course, teenagers who have that ability would like to you know go out and and do that. But I mean. I mean, yeah, I really liked a lot more this version of May than I thought I would. But again, she just wasn't in enough. I mean, I, just like the the comedy scenes, like when they're having dinner and she gets like that free dessert or something, just because she's hot. Yeah. Um, you know, and yeah, like there's a said, lot of people who are still hitting on her in this movie. Like they they tried to say we're going out of our way to make her more mature because they were worried about people's reaction. And yet every scene she's in, somebody's talking about, oh, where's your aunt? Oh, your aunt's pretty hot. Yeah, and with Aunt Hardy, I like that bit. But like it just, it, I mean, it does kind of seem that she's just. Peter just... I mean, there's... This is, you'd have to say the least chemistry between a Peter Parker and an Aunt May in all the films. And that's and that's maybe yeah. down to the fact that they're, just, they're not seen enough. And that's nothing mm-hmm. against the actors. But it's just, where was our emotional bonding scene between the two of them? We kind of got one, sort of. But even then, it was mm-hmm. kind of flicked aside. I mean, Rosemary Harrison, Tobey Maguire had so many. You know, Andrew Garfield, Sally Field. We talked about, you know, Andrew Garfield had chemistry with everyone. Amazing, yeah. So, like, mm-hmm. that's, I guess, what I was disappointed. And just kind of going on, on you know, Iron Man, Tony Stark. I mean, again, I've only seen Iron Man 1. Um, I love Robert Downey Jr. I mean, I don't think nobody dislikes him. Maybe back in the nineties when he was a druggie, but like, I mean, now, I mean, he's you know, he's cool, and I mean, he really, yeah. he really is that. I don't know. He's just so charismatic and awesome. <laughs> like, I mean, even when he's on screen, again, as you said, he's barely on, and I think it worked. I think we got enough of him in this film that it worked fine. Um, and what's his name, Mister Happy or whatever it is, um, Happy John Hogan, Favreau. Yeah. I like him. He's cool. I don't know if I really, yeah. you know, I, I like John Favreau anyway. He's a cool guy. And again, in it less than we thought. We talked about the preview episode that he got third billing in this yeah. movie, and I'm like, oh, great. So it's just going to all be Tony Stark and Happy Hogan. He has third billing in this movie because nobody else matters other than <laughs> Tom Holland and maybe a little bit of Vulture and Ned. But Ned's like, you know, not a big star or anything like that. I, I know. Um, I know. Just quickly, I just want to say, and I mean, I might be jumping ahead here or just mentioning this on a side bit. Just, I don't know if you're going to mention this quickly, but I mean, one thing that I don't know if you paid much attention to was the fact that. Yes, we didn't we need another origin story. Of course we didn't. We, we get it. He got bitten by a spider and now he's Spider-Man. And that got mentioned, like, what, once in this whole film. Yeah. But, I mean, in terms of his powers, where was Spidey sense in this film? Did like yeah like that's one thing that irked me because I mean well let's what, let's what happened to kind that? of <laughs> along with that let's talk about this suit he had yeah. which in this movie I liked but at the same time I was kind of annoyed by the over reliance on the technology oh, of the suit sure. and again, again this is like oh well Tony Stark gave him this you know there's reasons for it and all that but he basically is oh, I, I don't get the impression that the spider bite did anything to him like you said. This suit does everything. Maybe he could do a couple of backflips. Maybe he could stick to a wall. But the web shooters, okay, he made that on his own. But it's still a gadget. Yeah. The suit does everything. It even tells it. Like, it talks to him. It is basically Iron Man's suit. We've seen some of that in the trailers. But I feel like they go really over the top with it in this. And at the same time, I didn't dislike any of the moments with the suit. I'm like, oh, that's kind of cool. That's kind of cool. I even like some of the action scenes where they incorporated it in there. And it's telling, okay, well, this is the best thing to do. And sometimes it backfires. But... He really isn't his own superhero in here. He is a suit, and they make a mention of that in the movie, and that moments even in the trailers where they talk about, you know, if you're nothing without the suit, you know, whatever. But 
I don't think that they really made their point in this. Uh, I I don't think we got to see what he was capable of, of without the suit, and just throwing maybe one or two sequences together at the end wasn't enough for me. Yeah, I completely agree, and I, I didn't know how much we wanted to talk about the suit in terms of spoilers and things like that. Can I just point out, Jennifer Connelly is the voice of the suit. I didn't realize that was Jennifer Connelly yeah. until after I looked it up, and that's kind of... I thought that was and who's cool. she married to? Uh, uh, um, uh, oh, Paul yeah. Bettany? Yeah, that guy. Uh, who is the voice of Tony Stark's suit there you in go. the Iron Man movie. Yeah, that's, uh, and of course she was in Hulk, the terrible yeah. Eric, uh, Eric Banner film. Um, oh, I'll defend the, the Hulk. The last 10 minutes were fine. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but, but yeah, I mean, it's just, yeah, Spider-Man to me is like one of these superheroes who has superpowers, you know what I mean? He got bitten by a radioactive spider, so he can, you know, has spider sense, crawl on walls. I guess he gets a bit of super strength, so I guess when he's getting bashed up a lot in this film, you know, I guess that, in a way, is a superpower. But, I mean, yeah, like, this suit basically became his superpowers for most of it. And, yeah. like, as you said, there is a plot line to that, and the second half of the film kind of does integrate that into it, which works. Um, but, I mean, it's just, it's still you did feel for large portions of this film that he is nothing more than Iron Man or, or Batman. Like, he's... Mm-hmm. <clears throat> excuse me. He's down to relying on the gadgets rather than his own abilities. And, you know, like... I mean, if you analyse the the first five Spider-Man films, that like, yes, both Andrew Garfield and Tom McGuire didn't always have the perfect Spidey sense, but even when you had that, like, little, you know, zoom, and, like, you got the slow motion, yeah. like... Where, where was that at any point in this film when he's getting, like, mm-hmm. randomly, you know, crash-tackled by Vulture and things like that, you know? I mean, at no point, I feel, for the most part in this movie, did you feel he had any superpowers. And in all fairness, we have him in the same universe as Iron Man and Ant-Man, these heroes that are made up by the suit. And what makes Spider-Man different is that he's not a prop that gives him the power. Thor gets his power from a hammer, you know, um, or... Iron Man gets his power from a suit. Ant-Man gets his power from a suit. Captain America got his power from a serum, you know, but he has this incredible shield. Spider-Man, he just is Spider-Man. He can do, even without the webs, he can do great stuff, and we don't see enough of that in here. (laughs) The Hulk gets angry, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, that's that's definitely, that was that, I wrote that down as my thing to say that that was one thing that I think I had, and again, I agree with you, like, a lot of the stuff with the suit was fun, don't get me wrong, I mean... Mm -hmm. There really isn't anything in here that's not fun. It's yeah. just, was it the right choice? Especially going forward into sequels, where he's not really Spider-Man, he's Spider-Suit. Yeah, exactly. And, I mean, that's kind of going back to what I was saying about, again, dumb, naive Ben that didn't realise that, uh, you know, in the comics, he created the web. And I still, I still, again, I was still stand by the fact that I think that it makes more sense that he can naturally shoot webs, a la Tobey Maguire. <laughs> yeah. so, I mean, I like both versions. I don't have a problem with either. Yeah, but... Yeah, it's it's kind of going back to like you know, saying in the Andrew Garfield films how like anybody could just create those webs before he became Spider Man. Now with this suit, anybody can be Spider Man essentially. You just create yeah. the web, you just create a cool suit. I'm sure you can put like extra Velcro on the fingers to climb up walls. Mm. You know, bim bang boom, you're Spider Man. I mean, you your dream of becoming Spider Man, Colin, is going to come true. You just need to like create I know. the suit. <laughs> I just have to meet a billionaire. Yes, who's really invested in. Stopping crime and I'd say Donald on Trump, but um, probably not. <laughs> well, we know he'd hit on Aunt May. <laughs> <laughs> Just grab um, a bother. I want to. I want to also talk about the use of his powers in this. Like, putting a whole suit aside, the whole visual look of this, because 
the first Spider-Man movie had its own look to how Spider-Man's powers, the web, uh, how the webs were used, how he would fly, how he would soar. And the Andrew Garfield thing, you know, it took a different approach to it. was more with real stunts and everything. And if I had one other disappointment in this movie, it would be when we see him as Spider-Man using his webs, using his powers, it doesn't really look any different than what we've seen before. Mm. I think the definitive version of Spider-Man's powers, whether people like the movies or not, is the way that they did it in The Amazing Spider-Man. You know, using real stuntmen for this, it looked amazing. And I feel like this didn't really have the same effect. And I don't remember any brilliant shots of Spider-Man flying. Like I talked big about all the Spider-Man movies. You know, that, that final shot of Sam Raimi's Spider-Man 1, where he's just flying through the air. And then the way that they did, like, the slingshot in The Amazing Spider-Man, and then throwing the the sewer cover with the uh, Spider-Man, Amazing Spider-Man 2. These are great iconic moments. It's not just the closing shots. It's how they showed his powers. And I can't tell you, maybe other than one moment where he was kind of, it just looked cool the way he crawled up a wall. I can't tell you how his powers look different in this or how he even uses them differently. Yeah, that's a very good point, actually. And I, I agree with that. I think maybe the most iconic tom holland as spider-man scene would be from uh infinity war when he first lands on that truck that was in the trailer um yeah because yeah there really wasn't anything in this and i mean like just a note on the special effects like i mean they were fine but i mean i don't think these were as outstanding as when you first saw the sam raimi ones or even the andrew garfield ones um yeah you know because i mean was this filmed for 3d i i don't i didn't see it in 3d i don't know if you can see this in 3d or not maybe I saw it in 3D, and again, the 3D didn't wow me, but I should also say the opening sequence of the movie, the uh, projection was really off, and you basically, I couldn't hear what was going on, it was just a whole theater full of people groaning, (laughs) because you couldn't see it in 3D, it looked completely blurry, so they eventually fixed it, I don't know, maybe they didn't fix it well enough, but the 3D didn't wow me, but even without the 3D, I just, yeah, we don't have iconic images, and we don't have like this great use of powers, the way the fight scene was in The Amazing Spider-Man you know, the first appearance in the suit, the whole carjacker thing with the police. I mean, that looked amazing. Yeah. And here, I mean, I like the way he crawled on a wall. <laughs> I can't really say anything other than that. Maybe the Washington Monument bit was maybe the only bit you could I say. did want to talk about that, yeah. Yeah, um, just, yeah. just quick, one note that I would notice, I actually, because obviously you stay, watch the credits. Uh, that's what I'm learning when mm-hmm. you watch Marvel films. Um, but I noticed there was, because, I mean, this f- was filmed, I believe, a lot in, in Georgia. It's actually an interesting fact. It's kind of a side note. I mean, it's, it's related to this, knowing that a lot of this was filmed in Georgia and, like, the Atlanta area. I was in Atlanta recently, and I got talking to this guy who worked on movies, and he actually told me that Georgia, I think, is like the second or third most used location for movies in the world behind Hollywood or something like that. So I didn't even realize wow. that because of the taxes and all that sort of stuff. You um, always see that thing at the end of the credits, like Georgia yeah. film but, but what, whatever, that's what I, yeah. I noticed that too is because i saw that but then i noticed they had like film victoria and scream new south wales so a lot of the special effects i believe were produced in australia and what i just read here on one of the the trivia things in imdb is that it was the first spider-man film where the special effects for the character were not actually produced by sony uh, who holds mm. Spider-Man. It was actually done by the MCU guys at Industrial Light and Magic. So, I mean, that's maybe... I don't know. Maybe the Sony guys handle it better. That's why we don't have these iconic <laughs> scenes and we, we talk about him looking cool crawling on a wall. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's let's talk about the one sequence you mentioned. Before we get to that, I just want to say uh, I don't want to knock how his powers are used because there are interesting ways that they do use his powers yeah. they didn't do in other movies. Like, specifically, there's a moment where he... 
uh, is off trying to find you know Vulture or the villains, and he shoots off his web shooter, and it basically catches onto nothing. Yeah. Which is kind of, for me like growing up when I was a kid. I think I mentioned this in you know our first episode. Like I was obsessed with that classic Spider-Man TV show when I was a kid. And the thing people always make fun of for that is that you watch him flying through the sky where his webs are basically, what, hanging onto clouds? <laughs> and that one was kind of funny where it's like, oh, you know what? Spider-Man would have times where his webs aren't going to help him. And then he's just sort of jogging. Like, <laughs> what is he going to do? And even there's another moment uh, later on, like right before the scene we're about to talk about, where he's hitching a ride on cars and everything. And you realize, well, if he's hundreds of kilometers away, how is he going to get somewhere? You know, he would have to maybe latch onto a bumper and then, you know, find a faster vehicle. So I like the way that they used, I'm not going to say the way they used his powers, the way that they showed his limitations with his powers. Yeah. I think it made him a little bit more interesting in the action scenes where you realize he can't do everything. And I agree. Cause I mean, there were definitely scenes in the Sam Raimi ones and maybe a few in the Andrew Garfield ones where uh, you would be going, there's not a building that tall where he could be swimming, swinging that high. <laughs> like if he's higher than the Empire State Building, that's not right. Um, yeah. So yeah, I mean, that's, that's, I think that kind of goes into the whole, also the fact that, yeah, like the whole child and the teenage aspect of it. Cause I mean, again, a teenage superhero they would be trying to you know like exploit and just as a teenager is like i like the the uh the sort of in joke about the backpacks and then every single time like he would <laughs> go off and do something you'd have to like web his backpack on a wall or something like that and, and the art may scene was like this is like your fifth backpack like yeah. yeah and can we just mention that there is even a scene of this movie where he has his backpack on his back yeah. During an action scene, like th- this is, there are really cool ways that they're showing what this would actually be like as a real superhero. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Um, so, I mean, there's definitely, yeah, I-, I shouldn't necessarily completely talk down on the power side of things. I think you summed that up very well. Uh, again, different in- interpretation of it all. Um, and there are definitely fun bits with the suit. You know, Jennifer Connelly. He has great chemistry with Jennifer Connelly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, no chemistry with the young girls, but yeah. <laughs> this guy likes his cougars. <laughs> exactly. I mean, who wouldn't want to have good chemistry with Jennifer Connelly? You know, she, she's still she's still the girl from the labyrinth to me. The the labyrinth. Uh, <laughs> People refer to it the labyrinth. The labyrinth or labyrinth, um, whatever. Let's talk about the Washington Monument scene that you talked about. Uh, for me, probably like obviously the big standout scene maybe that's because i feel like the other action scenes this movie they spoiled too much in the trailers so like there's the scene with the ship that's breaking apart that everybody's seen and there's a couple of cool moments in there that you didn't really see in the trailers but for the most part you know where it's going so it wasn't as exciting for me but that washington monument scene i don't know how much they showed it in the trailer but it was amazing and that's the way you see him crawling up the washington monument and just the way they play on, like, he has a fear of heights, maybe. Oh, I've never been up this high. That entire action scene, despite the fact that there's no fight scene in it, nothing's really happening. It's all just tension. I would rank that up there probably, of all six Spider-Man movies, behind maybe only the train scene with Doc Ock in Spider-Man 2 as, like, the most amazing action scene in all six Spider-Man movies. I absolutely love that scene. That alone is enough to recommend the movie. Well, that's a big call, uh, but I might agree with that. Um, the one thing that I was surprised a lot about that scene was, I guess, the, what you saw in the trailer, like, and I guess anybody, you see a scene like that, you're expecting, yeah, like a fight or, like, you know, some big epic battle. Mm-hmm. And again, without spoiling what actually he's there for, it's kind of... It's a very underwhelming reason why he's there, but it still yeah. works out very well. And um, I kind of... 
Yeah, I think I agree with everything you said. And the height aspect of that, like, um, I mean, I'm oh. sure, I don't know how that would have been in 3D, but, I mean, that was really well shot and gave you, you know, real sort of, you know, dizziness at that point. That was really well done to kind of really give you a feel of how high that is. I mean, I've been underneath the Washington mm-hmm. Monument. I, I didn't go to the top of it, but, um, I mean, it's, it's high, of course. You didn't high. crawl up the side? No, you know, it was, uh, Trump had been elected, so there was security around, you know, people were trying to kill themselves and stuff. But um, it's... <laughs> That wasn't funny, but uh, yeah, I, it was it was a good scene, and like it's kind of like the overall the action scenes in this film. Like as you said, a lot of them you kind of did see in the trailer. Maybe I mean I don't know if you want to mention the finale, or this is something we'll talk a little bit about when we eventually do this. You know, when it comes out in DVD. Um, but like I mean, the finale was okay, a little bit underwhelming, I thought. Um, mm. But yeah, the the Washington Monument scene definitely was a big scene. I, I, I enjoyed the ship breaking up scene. I thought that was. It was done well, but uh, yeah, probably I would agree with you about the Washington Monument one for sure. Yeah, I, I think the climax is, I mean, it's probably the second best sequence in there. Um, it's helped by the fact that, I mean, Michael Keaton, will kind of talk about him next, how vicious he is as this villain. Uh, I think that, <laughs> this is going to sound weird, I feel like after this weekend, he's maybe been given too much credit. People are like, this is the greatest villain in the history of superhero movies. <laughs> No, no. <laughs> I think Michael Keaton gives a good performance for what's a very average villain. I feel like this is a step up. It felt like Lizard to me in Amazing Spider-Man. Lizard was an underwhelming character with a slightly underwhelming performance because of the material. I feel like this is almost a spin on that where it's a maybe a little bit underwhelming character with an above average spin on it from Michael Keaton, you know, and I'm not knock- knocking re-siphons. I-, I said, I'm a big fan of his, just, I don't feel like he had a lot to work with as lizard. If I'm talking about just the characters, I mean, I would put vulture probably behind even electro. I mean, <laughs> he's not green goblin. He's not doc. Ock. Uh, he's maybe above Sandman. He's, he's definitely not even like Harry Osborn, uh, amazing Spider-Man or Spider-Man three. Uh, he's above Lizard. Uh, he's above Sandman. I mean, he's not a great character. And even Michael Keaton, I mean, he has a big presence in maybe the last act of this movie. Other than that, he kind of just pops in and out. And I, I, you're right. We are turning into the episode of The Force Awakens. Uh, <laughs> I don't want to criticize that. I, I think that Michael Keaton is fantastic in this movie. He's probably has my favorite scene in this entire movie, like just as far as performance goes. And I mean, he—I sh- don't know if he did win the Oscar for Birdman. If he didn't, he should have. He didn't. He didn't. It was an—it am- uh, was an amazing performance. But like, this is right up there. He has one scene that's right up there with the stuff he did in Birdman. Other than that, I felt like he was a good villain. Good for Marvel because, in all honesty, even the biggest praisers of Marvel will agree Marvel have had bad villains in their movies for the most part. But I thought that he was a good performance for an underwhelming character. I think one thing you have to say about all the Spider-Man films, you know, or six of them now, is that they do get very good actors to play the villains. Uh, mm. You know, Willem Dafoe, uh, what's his name, Doc Ock, I've gone blank. Alfred Molina. Thank you. You know, Thomas Hayden Church, we won't mention Dofa Face, he's a dickhead. Uh, you know, Reese <laughs> Ithens, uh, you know, Jamie Foxx, you know, I mean, I think they, they all get great actors for it. And, I mean, Michael Keaton, we talked to him in the preview, he's, he's brilliant. I mean, it, everybody loves Michael Keaton. And he definitely gave a, you know, a good performance. But, again, I agree. I think this is the most I think I've ever agreed with you in an episode. What's going on? Um, <laughs> with, with pretty much everything. You didn't actually see this movie, did you? No, This is no. your way of bluffing through it. Spider-Man? Well, I don't know. I went and watched the Emoji movie instead. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no. No. I did not. 
<laughs> I still, they had but we that, will. We they will. had the big cardboard cutout like promo promotion thing where you can put your head in it and get like your photo taken in the thing. I'm like, fuck that. <laughs> like, fuck you, Emoji Movie. <laughs> fuck you for existing. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I I think he. I mean, for what he had it was great. But I mean, the, again, as a villain, like. What was his purpose? And then he kind of just got a bit shitty at Spider-Man. So, you know, it's... I mean, his purpose fits the comics. This isn't like Sandman where they made him... Or even Doc Ock where they made him overly uh, sympathetic. That was one of my complaints about the Sam Raimi movies. Um, They basically took the storyline from the comics and just tied into it a twist that we won't talk about which is maybe the one big surprise of this movie a twist involving his character and then as we talked about in the preview episode the trailers kind of show this his whole organization his you know criminal empire is tied to the avengers movies and stuff that's left behind but they stick to the comics it's just it's it's your typical spider-man villain i mean we could talk about this later when we get to you know the the full recap of this but uh, a villain they may be set up for the next one is just your, another standard, you know, thief, burglar <laughs> in a funny suit. I love that, that actor who plays that guy, by the way. I just I can't wait till we get to that episode. Yeah. I really enjoy that actor. Yeah. Uh, and, I mean, there's there's another villain in this. You know, people who criticized, this is where I'm going to uh, knock people who criticized The Amazing Spider-Man 2 or even Spider-Man 3 for too many villains. I mean, this movie has the shocker in it as well, as is revealed, not in the trailers, but uh, has been revealed publicly by the filmmakers. Shocker is in this. It's a small role. It's like a henchman. But still, I mean, if if I'm going to add up the amount of screen time the shocker has in this movie, I think it's probably more than we see of the Green Goblin in The Amazing Spider-Man 2. Not more than we see of Harry, but more than the Green Goblin. So that's just going back to my defense of... uh, the amount of villains in Amazing Spider-Man 2. I feel like we have the exact same amount in this. It's just because the actors are more recognizable with Paul Giamatti and Jamie Foxx and Dane DeHane, you feel like that you see more of them as villains. But you really don't. I mean, th- there's a whole crew of villains in this. Yeah, that's something I definitely want to agree with you. That's bullshit. But anyway, um, <laughs> so, well, I, mean, I mean, we, we I think kind of... The thing that I found interesting, like, obviously, you know, no origin for how Spider-Man became Spider-Man. We, we get a, a loose origin for how he becomes Vulture in a way. Uh, you know, we got way too little screen time from Time Daily. Can I just point that out? We were robbed of more Time Daily. <laughs> Why did there we... Was only- a, I, I felt like it was a setup. This is something that's going to appear in maybe the Avengers or some other Marvel movies. Like, it didn't feel like it belonged in this. Hmm. It's kind of like, I, I don't know if I mentioned in the previous episode, I complained in the Ant-Man movie. I loved Ant-Man, and then they threw this one scene in there with a falcon, hmm. which just felt completely out of place. But then when you see Civil War, you're like, well, that's why they had it. doesn't change the fact that it's out of place in the original movie. I, just, I didn't get her whole purpose in this movie. The, the one thing, like, just with the origin kind of a vault, though, like how it kind of happened. And again, we can't really go into too much detail about how sort of it gets into it, but... One minute he's not Vulture, then he's Vulture. Uh, it's kind of like we, <laughs> when we get an explanation to how they're obviously getting technology because that's a big plot line about what, why he's evil and shit. But I want to see him building the wings. I mean, no, yeah. like well, we, we got a bit of that with Doc Ock. You know, we, we see how he's got the arms. You know, we see how, you know, Norman becomes a green, even fucking Venom and Dofer face. Like, you know, we still get that. It's like, this is just kind of like, boom, boom. Oh, look, he's got wings and can fly and has a cool little helmet thing and shit like yeah, that. Yeah, it's, 
it's that they have a big time jump in this movie because the opening sequence, you know, without giving away spoilers of what it is, the opening sequence is basically introducing his character and it takes place right after the first Avengers movie, which is 2012. And then they say eight years later. And then they also say two months after Civil War. And, I mean, you haven't seen these movies, but anybody out there like who has watched all the Marvel movies or even all the Captain America movies, scratch your heads on the fact that somehow there is eight years in between the Avengers and Civil War. Like, that timeline doesn't even check out. And I don't think they have to skip that much So is this here. meant to be set in 2020, then, if you said 2000? Like, was the, yeah. Avengers, well, if- the first Avengers set in 2012, or...? I don't, I don't know if they spelled it out, but, I mean, they did mention... Uh, there's a scene, you know, we're not going to get into it, but there's a scene you mentioned off-air with Happy at the end of the movie where they reference something from Iron Man 1. Do you remember, did he say a year there? Did he say 2008? Uh, I think he did, yeah. So they I basically think he identify, did, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they identify Iron Man as taking place in 2008, and then they identify um, well, the... Uh, the, the eight-year gap between Avengers and this. So and it just feels like too much time. The one Because the Captain America movies especially don't really feel like they take place any more than a year apart max. Just really quickly, I mean, this is something that I think was revealed since we did our preview one. There was obviously a, sort of a fan theory that Peter Parker was in what Iron Man 2 was a little kid. Iron Man 2, yeah. And it's it's it's, elite, it's now been confirmed that that was meant to be Peter yeah. Parker. So, I mean, again, there's a timeline timeline based on that. When was Iron Man 2 set? You know, 15 years later. Well, I mean, he's probably, what, like two in that film. I don't know. He's a little kid. Mm-hmm. I don't... There's shit little about kids. 10. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. About 10 years, I guess. Okay, well, there you go. So, yeah, he was five. I mean, those times, it's just the jump now to this being, what, apparently 2020 that doesn't make sense. I mean, the the Marvel movies are kind of all over the place with their timeline. Uh, These are all rumors at this point, but Thor, which is the next movie, is rumored to take place during Civil War, which explains why Thor and the Hulk, who are in the new Thor movie, are not in Civil War. So the Hulk actually does appear outside of an Avengers movie. Okay, cool. Yeah, he's going to be in the new (laughs) Thor movie. When Um, will he get his own movie? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but I mean, let's let's agree here. I don't want to trash. Going back to Michael Keaton, I don't want to trash Michael Keaton at all. I'm no. saying it's not like the greatest character, but for what he had, just like you know, we said a lot of stuff in the movie. For for what they had to work with, I thought he did an incredible job. For and sure. th- there is that one scene in the car, which is your profile pic right now. Yeah, that was a great. Where, scene. I mean, it, it was chilling, and and I loved you know how sinister he was the villain. And I don't feel they made it, even though they tried to write this story to make him a little bit more of a sympathetic villain, I don't feel like I did sympathize with him. And that's what I think is the most important thing. I don't want to sympathize with these evil people. You can give them a purpose where in their own mind they're like, well, I'm the good guy, but don't make it like too much like Sandman where you're weeping. Oh, it's okay that you killed everybody, Sandman. I forgive you. I love you, Sandman. (laughs) (laughs) Let's move on to a few other, I guess, brief things that we could talk about here. Um, the music in it, we talked a lot about Danny Elfman's theme from the original one, uh, James Horner's from The Amazing Spider-Man, uh, and then, uh, who did, uh, Hans Zimmer for Amazing Spider-Man 2. I was a fan of the theme, not so much the score. Uh, any opinions on the music overall in this movie? It wasn't something that I felt really stood out, to be honest, um, compared to the other ones. I mean, definitely stood out in the Sam Raimi trilogies. Even the first Amazing Spider-Man, you know, I commented on that, how it kind of irked me. But you still know it. Like, I'm humming it in my head right now. I remember it. Yeah. I didn't necessarily, again, in the second one, I didn't necessarily remember that because I was asleep through half of it. But, um, I mean, this one, to me, the you know, what really stood out is the actual songs more so than the... Um, yeah. 
you know, I mean, they, they incorporated the actual sort of what the, you know, Spider-Man, Spider-Man theme into yeah. it, which worked. <laughs> which was really cool. Um, but, like, what's the, the one they use at the end? The, hey, ho, let's go. Oh, like, that's creep pop, yeah. stuck in my head for, like, 20... I mean, it's a good song. But I know. <laughs> I know. All day I had it in my head. I'm trying to work, and all I keep... Yeah. I mean, it's... Sorry if that's copywritten and we're going to get sued now. You're allowed to hum shit. But, like, I liked how they did that sort of in the credits and how they had that sort of like animated style at the end that was kind of cool but yeah i mean besides that the theme it, it's i don't know it's something that really hasn't didn't stand out for me too much so i don't really have much to say on it to be honest um i'm a huge uh, you could consider me a, a nerd when it comes to movie scores like i know all of them i have tons like my cd collection is probably two-thirds movie scores but I can honestly say the guy who did the music for this, Michael Giacchino, who started out doing like Alias and Lost and basically J.J. Abrams gave him a big break in movies. He's done the Mission Impossibles, the Star Treks. He did Rogue One last year. Like he really is one of the best composers out there. And he did Doctor Strange. Jurassic World. Yeah. And Doctor Strange last year, which was probably the first Marvel score outside of the first Captain America movie where I'm like, this is really good. I want to own this. I want to listen to all this. Uh, he did Spider-Man. Honestly, for the majority of this movie, I just thought, yeah, the music's okay, because I didn't even realize it was him. Yeah, I was about to but say, there I didn't is, realize like, it was him until you just said it was him. Yeah, well, but <laughs> the climax, um, the climax fight scene and action scene, the music that was playing there I thought was fantastic. It's just, I don't feel like this had a theme. Yeah. And like you said, with The Amazing Spider-Man, I remember coming out of both The Amazing Spider-Man 1 and 2 being really underwhelmed with the score, being like, you know, this is kind of boring, but the theme I could not get out of my head for either of those movies. And I could not tell you what the theme was for this one. So, yeah, well, bit just, of a disappointment there for the music. Just quickly, I will say, um, his themes for Lost, some of the stuff he did on Lost was... Um, there's some songs that you hear and you just you tear up. Like, they are so yeah. darn emotional. It's not even connecting it to the scenes they use in. Like, I remember talking to Noah about this, and even Noah was like, yeah, that's some deep shit he's like that's some of the saddest mm-hmm. score work you will ever hear and um and like even sort of his stuff for jurassic world i mean it doesn't compare to john williams of course but i mean it's still similar um yeah. and so yeah i, I again didn't realize it yeah, was him until you just said it was him so yeah yeah it's it's one of his least impressive scores but at the same time I mean, sometimes movie soundtracks can surprise you. I remember being really underwhelmed with the Man of Steel soundtrack, and then I listened oh. to it outside of the movie, and I'm like, wow, I like listening to this on its own. I just don't feel like it fits the movie. That's like Batman so maybe it'll Superman. Be I fucking love that score, but uh, Man of Steel, oh, one, yeah. you, you, grew, you grew into that one. Anyway, yeah, we're getting sidetracked. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> we'll be on DC eventually. Yeah. Uh, really quickly, before we kind of wrap this up, uh, we did mention in a past episode that uh, my nephews were big fans. We were debating <laughs> about whether kids like The Amazing Spider-Man 2, and I said they did, and I give examples. And my nephews, they saw this movie with me, and we decided to record a little segment that we'll kind of throw to here. Um, Ben's going to be kind to them because <laughs> I feel like there's at least one of them that uh, was agreeing with Ben in this segment here. So it's about eight minutes long, I guess. So if you want to just give it a quick listen, this was the impressions of my nephews who are, are ages 8, 10, 12, and 13. I hope I got their ages right. Uh, here, just hear their thoughts on the, the Spider-Man Homecoming. This was probably about 20 minutes after the movie let out. All right, we are here on the Oz Network for special guests who are 
slightly below maybe the target demographic, but maybe, I guess, right within the target demographic because the only people we have not really been able to hear from on any of these Spider-Man movies we're covering are kids uh, or young teenagers, I guess. So we have four special guests here. These are my four nephews that I mentioned in past episodes that got into the Spider-Man movies only recently through uh, probably the Amazing Spider-Mans, or I think I showed you the other ones first, right? Did yeah. you guys? Yeah. Okay, yeah. so you saw the other ones first. So there's four of you here, and you range in ages from? 13, 12, 10. You all right in my age. Yeah, because, all right, because we're already here at 13 to 8. We just got back from Spider-Man Homecoming. The movie ended probably only like 15, 20 minutes ago. You know, we walked uh, only about two blocks home from the theater. It took a little bit longer because somebody had to go to the bathroom and took forever. That's me. Okay, it wasn't him, but... <laughs> Let's just quickly get some opinions on here. So, what did you think about Spider-Man Homecoming? Well, I think it's the best Spider-Man movie ever so far. I, I didn't know I was expecting... I thought there was going to be too much Iron Man, but I was wrong. But I was glad. And, yeah. Alright, and what did you think of Spider-Man Homecoming? It's too much Iron Man if there's Iron Man in it. <laughs> we don't have a lot of Iron Man fans here. Maybe we kind of talked about that last week, whether we're, we're Iron Man out at this point. But other than... Iron Man, who, let's just put it out there if we haven't mentioned it already in this episode, Iron Man's probably in maybe about two minutes more of this movie than all the footage you see in the trailers. It's only a few minutes of screen time. Other than Iron Man, what did you think of Homecoming? It was pretty good. Lots of cool references. Refer references to what? The classic show, the comics, just lots of random references. Okay, and... Spider-Man Homecoming, um, you haven't really even given your opinion. You were very quiet at the end of the movie. Did this disappoint you? Is that the problem? Mm -hmm. Did you enjoy Spider-Man Homecoming? Is it the best Spider-Man movie ever? You got it, dude. No. <laughs> okay, so we got one last opinion here. You are the youngest of the group. So what did you like about it? Mm, all the action, the explosions, yeah. the fire. Actions, explosion, and fire. People burning. If people were burning, would that have amused you? No. No? Okay. Uh, what other things do we have to talk about this movie? The, the villain, Vulture. So, quick opinions. What, what do we think about Vulture this time uh, compared to some of the other villains we've had? Well, he is green since the start of every season, series, there's a green villain. But I did not expect him to be. We're experiencing technical difficulties. Please stand by. Oh, well, we can't talk about that. We'll cut that. We'll cut the. We'll cut the spoilers out. Uh, anything else? But either way, he was a great villain, and it is a good start to the Spider-Man to a new Spider-Man series with Tom Holland. I think he's better than in the comics, where he was just bald. Yeah. Better than in the TV shows and all these cool gadgets and weapons. Yeah. Well, we see we were kind of criticizing Vulture last week too for looking dumb and I think he looks a lot better in this one. Did you like Vulture? Oh I loved him but without Vulture the movie wouldn't be the movie. That's very true. Um, okay let's talk about Spider-Man being a younger Spider-Man. So you guys are a little bit closer in the age. I mean you, you, we have like 8 to 13 here. Spider-Man's only, Spider only two years older than you so how did you feel about this representing I guess your age range? awesome and because the last others there they had to use adults for the other uh, spider-man but this time yeah. adults some of them close to senior citizens i think by the time the series is over yeah yeah <laughs> but they but the director did a great job and they made a great decision and i'm glad that they that the actor is actually young too but yeah. so yeah 
Younger Spider-Man, is it a good thing? Do you like the, all the high school stuff? Yes, it's better than a 30-year-old playing him. And I think that they got some pretty good actors to do this. Yeah, Other, so let's talk quickly about Tom Holland. So Tom Holland's the new Spider-Man. We had Tobey Maguire, we had Andrew Garfield. So Tobey Maguire, Andrew Garfield, and Tom Holland. Who's your favorite of the Spider-Mans? Mm -hmm. The new one. The new one, that's Tom Holland. Uh, who's your favorite Spider-Man? Tom Holland, but there's one fact that I forgot. What? I forgot. Oh, okay, you wanted to tell us there was something you forgot. You had tons of opinions. You would not shut up in the theater, and now all of a sudden we're home, and you're like, oh, I forgot what I was uh, enjoying about the movie. I forgot what the storyline was. Okay, last uh, opinions here on Spider-Man Homecoming. So let's rank this in the Spider-Man series. So uh, tell me where this movie is among the six Spider-Man movies for you, and then uh, we'll, I guess, wrap it up if you want to rank which is your least favorite Spider-Man movie. So we'll go youngest to oldest this time. Yeah, you can go first. Um, I remembered what I was going to say. Okay. I always thought of every actor as a teenager, but more or less for Andrew Garfield. He looks more like an adult. Andrew Garfield does? Yeah, you're right. Tobey Maguire still looks younger than Andrew Garfield. Jamie, you're sitting right here. What are your opinions on Andrew Garfield? Better than the first guy. Alright, so she's not a fan of Tobey Maguire. So, final question here. Where is this among your favorite Spider-Man movies? And then which Spider-Man movie would be your least favorite? Um, The one before the one that they just made. So Spider-Man, The Amazing Spider-Man or The Amazing Spider-Man 2? Is that your favorite? Well, I, the newest one is my favorite, but I don't really know which one's the worst. I mean, I, I always, there's one silly thing I always thought of. I thought that Dr. Octopus would actually be a real octopus. <laughs> <laughs> and he wasn't, yeah, and Vulture wasn't a real Vulture, so we're thankful for that. Uh, lizard though yeah that's right so maybe the maybe we we're we're happier not having them be the real animals uh where is this rank among your favorite spider-man movies what is your favorite spider-man movie where does this rank and then what's your least favorite spider-man homecoming my favorite and the amazing spider-man i don't like the lizard man his tail comes off and it goes all over spider-man so gross okay because amazing spider-man was gross not just for andrew garfield being too old um, Ben's going to love hearing that. Which is your favorite Spider-Man movie? Where does Homecoming rank? And what's your least favorite Spider-Man? Homecoming just edges out Spider-Man 2 because more stuff is not just cramming in as much as they can. And my least favorite would be Spider-Man 3. Okay. And, uh... Venom, what's, if you didn't hear that, what's wrong with Spider-Man 3? Venom's amazing. See, even children have opinions. Um, yes. All right. Storyline's horrible. Yeah. That's why it's wrong with it. Uh, <laughs> there we go. You heard it, Ben. <laughs> children have better opinions than you. All right, so favorite Spider-Man movie, where does Homecoming rank, and what's your least favorite Spider-Man? Well, duh, Homecoming. And this rank is at five stars. The director did a good job. But... Uh, it's kind of hard for the for the rankings for the worst Spider-Man, but um, but I think I ranked Spider-Man one as the least favorite. Oh, there's a controversial choice, <laughs> but I think they, we're they actually Spider-Man: Homecoming actually has more jokes than any other Spider-Man movie, so yeah. I'll give it that. Yeah, too. other than. 
three, which was a joke just in concept. So, yeah, uh, yeah intentional jokes, we'll agree. So we're unanimous here among uh, uh, all four of you that Spider-Man Homecoming is the best Spider-Man. Is that right? Yeah. Yes. Yep. Okay. Uh, take that, Ben. Take that, Ben. If you're... <laughs> All right. <laughs> so there's our target demographic, children, the ones that are, these movies are actually aimed towards. Uh, all unanimously agree. Spider-Man Homecoming, best Spider-Man movie ever. Take that, Ben. <laughs> I, still, I still love uh, whoever it was that was like, I thought that Dr. Octopus would be a real octopus. And be a real your, octopus. Your deadpan reaction. You were just like, you were just so on the point. You're just like, oh, and Vulture's a real vulture, so we're happy about that. <laughs> oh, but it, I, I mean, I'm not, I thought it was entertaining having them on there, but like the conversations we had before we started recording and maybe they got a little bit, you know, too flustered. They didn't even get that flustered, but man. Hilarious conversations. If I ever see a movie with them again, I'm going to record conversations with them because it's absolutely hilarious. Uh, I, I, some I of would their have opinions. recorded it with the people I went and saw it with, but I didn't have a Tinder date that day, so I just went and saw it. <laughs> them, so, so, sorry about that. But there you go. You have at least one person who's like, I like Spider Man 3. <laughs> your, that, I, I take what? back what I said about your nephews being little shits. Uh, that, that, well, that one's very intelligent. I, I, like, I would have gone with my nephew, but he's only six. and I know. I, I was disappointed <laughs> you didn't go with your nephew. This well, is I don't, perfect I don't for a think, six-year-old. I mean, he drinks out of a, an amazing Spider-Man cup when drinks. he comes over here for dinner. He, I mean, he's, he's an alcoholic already. <laughs> he's related to me. Of course he is. But um, You get a couple of drinks in him and he's real blast at the movies. <laughs> I said to my sister, I said, like, oh, is he going to go see it? And she was kind of like, oh, no, I don't think he can just yet. And I'm like, oh, okay. Well, if that was my kid, he'd probably be seeing it when he was, like, two. Well, I mean, <laughs> I don't know the appropriateness of taking kids to the movies. I mean, I'd go yeah, see Fifty I mean- Shades of Grey. Like, oh, come on, little three-year-old. <laughs> Off we go. I, I just want to say this completely off topic, but um, the first time I watched my son on my own, like when my wife went out and I was just watching him, no mom there to help, uh, I basically turned it into a guy's movie day and I put on two guns with Denzel Washington and Mark Wahlberg. <laughs> so that became a thing for a while. I'd put the baby in front of the TV and put on like a really violent action movie with well, Denzel. Or I remember being with a friend and he, uh, his son, like he, he was with his wife because his wife was pregnant with their second child. So I was basically had to babysit their kid who was like I think four at the time while they went off and got checked for the new one as well my friend Josh is just basically like oh he likes Star Wars get your phone out and show YouTube videos of Star Wars I ended up showing like everything wrong with Star Wars and honest trailers (laughs) and things with like you know inappropriate things and I'm like oh whatever I don't know he's probably scarred for life now don't give me kids I don't know what to do with them I'll break them all right like yeah you know (laughs) (laughs) And if you do give him one, give him one that likes Spider-Man 3. Yeah, like, you know, give me a kid that's good. Like, don't give me a little shit. <laughs> don't give me Casper, he'll cry all the time. Like, can I actually just point out, I, I, speaking of Casper, I watched Casper on one of my plane trips recently. I hadn't seen that in a long time. I like the that movie. movie. Yeah. Yeah. Can we cover Which that? Which we have, yeah, well, well we can, because we own it now. <laughs> my wife insisted we had to get it for him for Christmas, and then... Uh, I'm like, he's not going to watch this. He's not even going to understand it. And she just sat there watching it herself. So she basically bought it for herself. It's like, we have dark. to get Casper. It's kind of It is very well, that's, That was my problem. I had never seen it. So Christmas Day, she's watching this, and I'm kind of watching the background. I'm like, he's not going to be able to watch this till he's at least like 10 or 11. Like, this is not appropriate. <laughs> anyway, Casper, coming soon to the Oz Network. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I did think it was interesting to get opinions of somebody. Like, it was great to have... Jamie's opinion for the Wonder Woman. If you haven't heard the episode, go back and listen to it because 
it was interesting for me just to hear, you know, what a woman would view Wonder Woman like and to be able to hear, okay, well, this is what kids are going to view Spider-Man Homecoming, which really is a kid's movie. Uh, they all said it was the best Spider-Man movie ever, which, in all fairness, they say that for every movie, but <laughs> <laughs> I think they mean it for this one. <laughs> the Emoji Movie is the best movie ever. Shut up! This is the greatest Emoji Movie ever made. <laughs> Where, just FYI, where is Jamie? She's usually on all these recap episodes. <laughs> she's like... in the background. She's listening to something on her phone. I don't think she could hear me. She didn't see this one with me. Yeah, Jamie, she could hear me. She why didn't you see it? Why can't we ever get to do an episode? Jamie, why did you see Spider-Man Homecoming? I really only like the Spider-Man cartoon. I hate all the movies they make. She says, I really only like the Spider-Man cartoon. I hate all the movies they make. She had no problem. That's fine. Whatever. <laughs> well, I'm just going to say, she had no problem seeing them when it was Andrew Garfield. Um, so. <laughs> Who didn't? <laughs> she says there needs to be eye candy for it to be Spider-Man. Hey, Tobey Maguire's eye fun. candy. Don't knock Tobey Maguire. <laughs> Five more years, Tom Holland will be her kind of Spider-Man. <laughs> Hashtag bring back Tobey. Uh, let's get to our reviews here of Spider-Man Homecoming. We've waited a long time for this. Uh, it's an interesting one to rank because we have talked about a lot of bad things in this movie, but we also enjoyed a lot about it. And I said at the beginning, there really wasn't one moment I didn't... I'm going to make the weirdest comparison as I kind of wrap this up here. There was a movie that came out a couple of years ago about magicians called Now You See Me. It had like Jesse Eisenberg in it and Michael Caine. Honestly, it's, it's a dumb movie. It is really dumb. But my wife pointed out that every time she looked at me in that movie, I had, like, a smile, like, ear to ear. Like, the movie just, I, it was it was so fun for me, even if it was a dumb movie. And that's kind of the way I felt with this. I'm not saying this is a dumb movie, but it didn't matter to me that it was a kid's movie. It didn't matter there were problems and there were things about this that I like better in Amazing Spider-Man. Like, I like the drama in Amazing Spider-Man better. I like the chemistry better in Amazing Spider-Man. I like the use of the powers better. I like the story better in the Sam Raimi trilogy. You know, I like the the innocence better in the Sam Raimi trilogy. There's not a lot that I like better about this than the others, but there wasn't one moment that I disliked in this movie. Even the things we're complaining about, as we said, the suit, I still liked it. So for me, uh, I'm definitely going to give this a buy it because I will be buying it as soon as it came out. And uh, that's going to, I guess, rank it up there with uh, the the Spider-Man's at least ahead of, we'll get to our rankings on the end, but that's going to at least put it ahead of Amazing Spider-Man 2 and Spider-Man 3 for me. So did, did you have a smile on your face as big as like when she sees like Magic Mike or something like that? Or like are you just crushing on Michael Caine when you're watching that <laughs> now you see me? Or? You know, Jamie probably would rather uh, Michael Caine than Tobey Maguire, honestly. Oh, that's a harsh call. I'd, I'd put Michael hey. Caine up there with anybody, but Tobey Maguire, come on. Michael you know. Caine. Yeah. Well, what are you talking yeah, about there? Said, I'm Michael Caine. You heard uh, the background. She just went, Michael Caine is a man. Michael <laughs> the man, sorry. He's the man. Too right, but he's the also... man, Jamie. I can't even do one of Michael Caine. <laughs> Cockney British. <laughs> Some men just want to see the world burn. Uh, I don't know. Do you ever see This is completely off topic before you do it, but one of the greatest one-liners in movie history, the original Italian job with Michael Caine. Uh, I've only seen the Mark Wahlberg one. <laughs> oh, watch the original one so much Why better. Why Mark Wahlberg were... go in so many fucking remakes? <laughs> Planet of the Apes, Italian Job, Transformers. Was that kind of a re? I don't know. I like Mark Wahlberg. Nothing. I actually just watched. Yeah, the, me too. One of the movies I just watched with him was uh, the one in the Boston Marathon bombings, Patriots yeah, Day. What that about that? What about that remake movie. of the Boston Marathon they did? <laughs> yeah. That was a good movie. 
And why they remade the Boston Marathon only three years after it happened? Um, Boston Marathon, the 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 the, uh, Deepwater Horizon. Like, can we see any Mark Wahlberg movie where he's out remaking something or having a lot of people die around him? The other guys. Um, In all seriousness, (laughs) Patriots Day, highly recommended. Good movie. Um, Yeah. I wanted to see that one, yeah. It's it's got Kevin Bacon in it, so you can't go wrong. Um, but, <laughs> sorry, I just thought of Kevin Bacon. I got distracted. Uh, buy it, yeah, for sure. Buy it. I again agree with pretty much everything you said. I mean, it's um, for for everything there that we're nitpicking. It was kind of like, like the Force Awakens. Like people are probably thinking, like you didn't like this movie, but like we don't want to come on here and 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 come on here because we don't want to jizz all over this film. It's got like, it's not the perfect film. <laughs> I'm just going to go completely mm. inappropriate there because I mean, when, when, have we ever done one of these episodes where we thought everything was perfect? Even Spider-Man and Spider-Man two that we both love. Yeah. We still found things wrong with it. I'm sure even when we do Jurassic park, I won't find anything wrong with it because it's perfect. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm sure we will. I'm sure there are things. But, like, you're allowed to be critical of things that you like because it's for entertainment purposes on a podcast. <laughs> um, but, yeah, buy it, for sure. I mean, of course I'm going to buy this when it comes out because we've got a podcast about it. But also, I enjoyed it. So, yeah, I completely agree with you. Buy it. Yeah. All right. Then we have a buy it and a buy it, and a buy it, buy it, buy it, buy it from the kids. Yes. <laughs> That's Spider-Man Homecoming. Um, any last opinions to wrap up as we talk about here? Anything that we missed that we didn't get to talk about? Uh, this is where we just drop all the spoilers. Um, <laughs> Death Star Lego. <laughs> I, I, I wasn't expecting Han Solo to be in this film. Uh, <laughs> or Han Solo to die. Sorry. Oh, uh, spoiler! Oh, <laughs> come on. Uh, yeah, I, I really don't know much else to add, um, except one thing, it did actually make me miss Toby Maguire, and it made me think about Toby Maguire a little bit, because where is Toby Maguire? What's happened to Toby Maguire? <laughs> did we even cover this in our first three films? It's like the Brendan Fraser <laughs> mystery. Like, we need to talk him up more, but what has happened to Toby Maguire? Has he been in anything since The Great Gatsby? Oh, if you're listening, uh, Toby, no, messages. I saw a movie... I saw a movie, it was a Bobby Fischer movie that he made last year. It was pretty good, actually. It wasn't amazing, but it was pretty good. Okay, well, uh, just... On Sacrifice, that was the name of it. All right, well, just uh, hashtag bring back Toby. Uh, (laughs) Toby Maguire, Brendan Fraser, buddy cop movie, has to happen, all right? (laughs) Simple. All right, um, that is it for Spider-Man Homecoming. We will be back again because, of course, we have to eventually do a full recap of this like we did with the first five. When's that going to come? I guess the general rule of thumb is if a movie's still in theaters, we'll do it as a spoiler-free review like this. Uh, If it's out on DVD and Blu-ray, we'll do a full recap. So it will be coming, definitely. Uh, Any other episodes coming up that you've recorded yet, Ben? Uh, Our nip-tuck ones will be coming back. Uh, Our third watch Very soon. Uh, it still baffles me that somebody actually messages wanting to know where the third watch ones went. So, <laughs> hey, I'll go with that. Um, but yeah, uh, nothing t- yet, but I'm, I'm, I just got home. Give me time to get back into the swing of things. Maybe actually there's something to quickly mention. Homecoming. What was the name of that for? Just because there was homecoming in this film? That was, was a bit of a weird subtitle. There's a date that's listed on that homecoming poster that says September 14th. Are we to believe that when this movie starts and they're already in the national championships for the, the academic decathlon, that they've been in school for only a week? <laughs> well, apparently. School starts in September. 
Just and also just randomly quickly, we're going randomly. I just looked up Tobey Maguire. Apparently, he did the voice of Adult Tim in the Boss Baby. So, <laughs> oh, Boss Baby! All right, downloading the Boss Baby right now. <laughs> Uh, we'll talk about the boss baby soon. Um, <laughs> Please, we'll, we'll we? wrap it up. <laughs> we'll wrap it up with Spider Man. Uh, we do have Amazing Race Canada episode that just went up to, and Jamie and I will eventually get around to doing a uh, episode on Pirates of the Caribbean. Uh, uh, there's a groan in the background. She's excited. Has she <laughs> and, seen it yet? Or? <laughs> no, <laughs> but we will. Uh, Planet of the Apes, I wanted to... I know I talked about Planet of the Apes earlier this summer. I wanted to do a Planet of the Apes episode. I don't know anybody that's seeing it. If I could find somebody that sees it with me, I don't care. I'll talk to... If I go myself, maybe I'll find somebody in the theater and just say, hey, what did you think of Planet of the Apes? Or I'll come on and talk about it myself. I don't know. Maybe I can find somebody who sees it. Otherwise, I'm guessing we'll be back, at least with Jamie for Atomic Blonde in a couple of weeks. I'll come on the uh, episode and just make monkey noises. I mean... Yeah, we'll have that. That'll be a great episode. I'll just, I'll just go, Ooh, damn you all to hell! <laughs> The Emoji Movie will be coming. Oh. We do promise that one. No. Uh, but that I is quit. it for Spider-Man. I'm done. I'm out. <laughs> Thank you for joining us for these, what are we at, seven weeks of Spider-Man now. <laughs> seven weeks <laughs> of the Emoji Movie time. coming up. <laughs> and my name is Colin, and I'm sick of Ben treating me like a little kid. And my name is Ben, and I don't have a closing line. <laughs> don't make me go down there, you punk. Thank you for listening to the Oz Network. Don't forget to subscribe to get new episodes delivered to your speakers every week. For more information, hit us up at theoznetwork.net.